Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of God. Good morning. Uh, my name is Brian. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Metro. And uh, if you've uh, been here with us for the past few weeks, or um, if this is your first time here, I'm so glad that you're here to join and uh, worship with us this morning. And uh, for the past few weeks, uh, we've been going in through our sermon series, focusing in on prayer. Now, we believe that in light of the Christian faith, um, that prayer is an important spiritual discipline uh, for the believer, and how that shapes us and how it actually radically transforms us in light of that discipline. And today, we're actually going to close out on our sermon series on prayer prayer as we focus on to verse 13. Now, Muhammad Ali, he was nicknamed the greatest. He was widely regarded as one of the most significant and celebrated sports figures of the 20th century. He was arguably the greatest boxer of all time as he showcased in the ring of his boxing ability. Time after time after time, he has constantly proved that he was what he stated to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. However, as great as his in-ring career was, many would argue that his greatness in American history, it wasn't just from the epic battles that he won in the ring. Rather, Muhammad Ali's true greatness was from the trials he went through outside of the ring. See, specifically in 1967, he went through what's to be considered his most difficult trial. Ali refused inducting into the U.S. Army because of his Muslim faith and values. Uh, Muhammad Ali would not only be stripped of his title, but he would actually be sentenced to five years in prison, eventually a conviction that would be overturned in 1971. But here the impact that he had because of his unwillingness to compromise his convictions and his beliefs. One says it this way, for the heavyweight champion of the world, who had achieved the highest level of athletic celebrity status to put all of that on the line, the money, the ability to get endorsements, to sacrifice all of that for a cause, gave a sense of legitimacy to the movement and the causes. Ali knew he was going to jail and did it anyway. That's another level of sacrifice. See, Muhammad Ali, his career, it was all about his fights in the ring. But the greatest fight was the trial that challenged his conviction and his character. Everyone in this room, you and I, will go through many fights. We will go through many, many challenges, and we will endure many, many tests. 
They will often bruise you. They will often hurt you. And every once in a while, you might experience a TKO. But I believe that the biggest trials are the ones that will test your faith, the ones that will tempt you away from mission. And this is why Jesus, in his last petition, reminds us that we are to daily pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So for this morning, I do have three points as we close out our time in the Lord's Prayer and as we focus on this very last petition of our battle against evil. Three points for us this morning. Our daily trials our daily deliverance, and finally, our daily strength. Let's dive into our first point, our daily trials. Now, although in here we just have one verse, I want to unpack this part of the petition for just a bit because Jesus says to pray to lead us not into temptation. Well, the question is, what does Jesus mean by temptation? Now, temptation stems from the Greek word perasmos, and we only, not only see it as a temptation, but throughout Scripture, it's often translated as a trial or a test. So in the Bible, when we see this word perasmos, it's never anything small, because in actuality, any temptation that's actually testing your faith and that's testing your character is actually more like a trial. See, it may be small as a temptation to not snapping on your child because he or she won't eat what you were offering. Or maybe it's something as small as the temptation to cancel your plans on somebody because someone or something more important came up. Scripture tells us that these small tests are actually big heart assessments. See, anything that challenges your character, anything that challenges your conviction and your faith is more than just a 1% pop quiz spiritual assessment. If anything, these are the tests that should feel like final exams that you had no time to really study for. The temptations and the trials that Jesus is referring to in verse 13 are the very tests and trials that will and should challenge your faith and character in light of the faith that a Christian proclaims. In fact, Scripture will tell us that these temptations and these trials, they often will feel like affliction. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it tells us, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Here in 1 Peter chapter 4, what do we see? We see this perasmos type of trial again. And in this verse, it's described not just as a trial, but a fiery trial. In fact, when we see 1 Peter chapter 4 in all of its context, we know that it is fiery because it's within the context of suffering, pain, affliction, and persecution. So when we are experiencing a trial, when we are dealing with a temptation, maybe you're experiencing it right now, or maybe it's something that you've dealt with in the past, or maybe you know that it is to come. Not only should it challenge your faith, the reality is, is that it will have a level of pain and affliction. 
See, if you're currently going through a trial where you're being tempted to compromise your character, it's never meant to be easy. See, these fiery trials, these are often the things that will inflame your mind to believe that anything outside of the will of God for you is greater than what he has planned for you. And the question becomes, why must I go through these fiery trials and tests? Well, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3, it tells us that the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. See here, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3, it tells us why we go through testing. It tells us why we go through trial. The Lord does so, and it will burn. It will be a fiery flame, but it's more like what we call a refiner's fire, meaning that your trial, your test that often feels fiery, it's not like a forest fire that would actually ruin you, but it's a refiner's fire, and the purpose is to purify you. See, to purify gold and to purify silver is to separate your impurities, is to separate the impurities that ruins its value. And in the purification process, it will burn it up for the sake of its purity. See, sometimes God will place you on particular trials. He will place you in all types of temptation, and they will test you. But this test it's with purpose, and it's to showcase the many impurities of your soul that you are currently dealing with, to make you realize that you need some refinement in your faith. Now, some of us in this room, if I'm honest, including me, we often pretend that we are some sort of spiritual gold. And if that is you, I guarantee you that there will be seasons where God will unveil your impurities of pride to purify you. See, temptations and trials, they often reveal impurities. But what it does in light of that purification process is it allows you to draw more intimately to one who is perfectly pure. Meaning this, that trial, that test, that temptation, that suffering is never in vain. The agony within your heart the pain that you feel like will not go away, that circumstance that you felt like it's just been a little bit too long is never in vain. And yes, it will burn, but it will never destroy. Trials and temptations are daily, and they are the very circumstances that weigh heavy upon the soul. But it's why we need to see the lightness and the purity of who God is for your daily deliverance. That leads us to our second point. See, in the latter half of this petition, Jesus tells us to pray, deliver us from the evil one. Now, to pray, deliver us from evil, is a follow-up of the first section of lead us not into temptation. Essentially, we see kind of a restatement. And in this reinstatement, Jesus is telling us something very radical about our trials and our tests. He tells us to deliver us from the evil one, that the real enemy in your life is not the trial. The real enemy is not even the pain that results from your trial. The real enemy that Jesus tells us in verse 13 is evil. See why this is important. 
for the believer. See, if you only look at your circumstances, if you only look at your trials and the temptations on the surface level, then you're never going to understand a need for a gospel. Why? Because if you only look at the surface level, then you're only going to look for surface level solutions, that you're going to just try to fix the circumstance rather than finding God through the trial itself right? If I can explain, if you get angry at your spouse because of something that they said to you, the surface level solution is, hey, don't talk that way and things will be much better. But what do we see? That that's just simply behavior modification. See, when Jesus tells us to be delivered from evil, he's essentially stating that this gospel goes far deeper than behavior modification, for the trials that you are experiencing are sourced in evil, and true deliverance comes from addressing the evil. Jesus tells us that the root of our trials is evil. Essentially, what he's saying is talking about sin. So in other words, when Jesus says, deliver me from evil or the evil one, Jesus is saying, deliver me from the evil, the sin that's in me that will make me fall into temptation. Deliver me from the sin that will make me fail the test. Jesus is saying, deliver me from my natural heart inclination to give up, my natural heart inclination to fall into a compromise of conviction or to fall into my deep, deep despair. See, if I can say it this way, addressing the trial in our life is actually very easy. Acknowledging the pain we experience is somewhat challenging. But identifying the evil that is within us, that's only by God's grace. Theologians uh, Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon, they talk about grace. And Melanchthon says that grace is like one parent helping a wobbly toddler across the room to the other parent who crouches down with an apple. But Luther, on the other hand, says this. It's much more than that. Luther says grace is like us as caterpillars in a ring of fire. And our only hope, our only hope is that someone from above will rescue us. And I do agree with what Martin Luther says, because it lines with what Scripture says. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? See, the biggest lie is believing that in some way we can deliver ourselves from evil. And what our pride does is that it makes us think that we can actually do so. And when this happens, it makes us fall into the temptation that Jesus is actually telling us to safeguard. Now, theologian, I know another one, excuse me, but John Calvin, he actually says that there are two categories of temptation that we constantly fall into. And if we don't admit that we are in need of a daily deliverance, we're likely to go into one or the other, that we're likely to just be consumed by the ring of fire. John Calvin says of these two that first, that there is the right side of temptation. What does that mean? Well, from the right, it will come riches, powers, and honors. These are often the temptations uh, that tell us that we need the world more than the gospel. And that's the one that we often think about when we consider temptation. 
But John Calvin, he continues, he says, there's actually a left side of temptation that we often forget. And on the left-hand side, there is the temptation of poverty, disgrace, contempt, and affliction. This is the temptation to despair. This is the temptation to lose all hope and the temptation to wanting to be estranged from God. See, both prosperity and adversity, these are tests. These are the very things that's going to make you want to distrust God for what he has for you and your life. And the question I have for us this morning as we dive into our hearts is, which trap are you prone to? Are you falling into the pits of despair? Or do you fall into the riches of what the world has to offer? Or maybe it's, you're like me and it's both of them. Right? I often wrestle where I'm always going to the right side, but when the right side is not a reality, I fall into the left side, and I just say, Jesus, show me grace. See, the point is that no matter what direction, right or left, it all leads to a dead end, and your deliverance from your daily trials must be from above. And do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that you are in need of a daily deliverance for you do go through everyday trials? Do you really believe that who you are, you are actually in a pit of fire and that there is no direction that you can see that can make you on your way out to deliverance? So deliverance can only come when you look above. That is where we do find our strength, which is our final point. How do you handle the temptations and trials of everyday life? See, just like all of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer, uh, it's important that we always relate a petition to the first two words of the Lord's Prayer because it's actually giving you the reminder of who we are praying to. What do we see in those first two words of the Lord's Prayer? He says, Our Father. Now, why is this important to know? Well, prior to uh, what we see in uh, Matthew chapter 6, we got to back up a little bit where we begin in chapter 3. What do we see in chapter 3? God, the Father, he tells Jesus, his son, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So we see the Father declaring that he is a son. What do we see in Matthew chapter 4, immediately in verse 1? We see Jesus is now sent out to the wilderness to be tested by the devil. So y'all tracking with me? What do we see? That Jesus was first declared as a son from the Father, and then he will now be immediately sent to the wilderness. See, in the same way, if God has placed you in the wilderness... If he has placed you in some type of test or a trial, agony, or suffering, that means it is from the Father and he has placed you there for a specific reason. And in light of that placement, it should be confirmation of your sonship with the living God. See, just as every good and perfect father, he knows what's best for you. Even though it may be difficult in the beginning, he will send you to places, and it is these places that he will send you to purify you into pure gold because he knows what is best for you, just as any father would for your child. 
See, tests and trial, the ones that you are experiencing right now, although difficult, when you look at the sovereignty of a good father in light of his perfect love for you, then that trial and that temptation is most certainly will be good for you. Yeah, I hear often parents, uh, you know, you hear them talk, and they talk about how um, sad it is when they see their, uh, you know, sons and their daughters move into these next stages of life. And uh, one in particular that I often hear is uh, the difficulty when they have to send their uh, child to the daycare for, you know, the very first time. Because as they're sending their child to daycare, what do they hear? In light of the separation, right, in light of the distancing, the child, right, it starts crying, it starts weeping. The child knows that they're kind of moving into this new uncertain stage of their life. And the parents often share about how difficult it is because for the parent, everything is for them and they want to be there for them. And yes, it does hurt them to see them cry, but do they stop in the midst of that, instead of that tear, instead of the crying? No. They, they commit to the decision that was made. They commit to the decision of leading them to a next stage of their life. Why? Because they know that the child was ready. As difficult as it was, as loud as the cries were, as visible as the tears were, they separated they put them out there in the next step because they knew that next step would be very, very good. See, just as every good parent knows when it's time for their child to take a next step, so will our father sovereignly know when tests and trials are, are for your life, and he knows that you can endure it in Jesus Christ. See, God is a good and perfect father, and he will never leave you abandoned. In our folly, in our foolishness, in our sin and our suffering, we may feel like he is distant, but in reality, in light of what we see in Scripture, that he is always present. In that trial, in that temptation, he has never left you abandoned. He will never leave you astray. Our fathers today, our earthly fathers, oh, how often do they leave us astray? But God, our good, good Father, he will never leave you abandoned. Meaning you can go to God and fully trust in him. You can allow him to love you through this testing. And the question is, as a believer, would you consider to do so? The reason why we see that we will never be left abandoned was because in Matthew chapter 4, what do we see? Jesus being led into temptation. He would be in the wilderness. He will be tested from the devil three times, very similar to the temptations that you and I go through every single day. But Jesus remained obedient to the mission. But what's interesting is we only see Matthew chapter 4, but what we, don't, we often forget that in the life and ministry of Jesus, it would be constantly filled with trials and temptations. He would constantly face tests and trials in his ministry, but what do we see? That he remained perfect. And on the cross, what do we see? Jesus Christ, although perfectly obedient, perfectly submissive, even in the most difficult temptations, he would not be delivered from evil. 
If anything, on the cross, we see that he was delivered to it. See, on the cross, when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If I can paraphrase what he's asking, he's saying, deliver me from evil. But on the cross, what do we see? That he was delivered to evil. And the reason is why. Why would he do such a thing? Why would Jesus Christ, even though perfect, he would sacrifice such a, his himself? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Jesus Christ was delivered into evil. He would experience the full wrath of God so we can be delivered out of evil, so that you and I can be fully accepted and loved from the Father, that because Jesus gave up his sonship, we now have access to a Father that we can trust, one that will never let go in your trials and in your temptations. This is how we obtain everyday power in everyday trial. See, for the Christian, to be clear, for the Christian, we don't overpower our trials by changing the circumstances and trials. It's becoming, it's by being overpowered by his love. It's by being overpowered by his grace. That that would not change the circumstance, but that would actually radically transform your heart. Because you see that what he has done for you, you respond accordingly to do what is light of the mission for him. And what I believe is that when you come into this humility, this humbleness, to say that I can't save myself from the ring of fire, when you have the humility of saying I, I, I can't do it alone, I'm going to look up Look at my good father and see that how perfect you are, even in the trials. See, there's going to be many tests and there's going to be many trials in your life. But find strength in him. Find strength in him that you're not being led into temptation because of the temptations that we actually desire. You can fight that fight. If you're on the right side and you desire the world and its temptations, you can fight that fight. You can stand firm in your conviction. You can stand firm in the character and light of that conviction. You can stand firm. At the same time, if you're kind of more on that left side and you're the one that's more susceptible, just kind of fall into the pits of despair and you're leading yourself into no type of hope, you can fight at that temptation. You can fight through it. You can fight through the thoughts that the, that the devil is constantly implanting into you because we believe that the knowledge of God is far greater and that his plan is perfect and it is for you. Yes, there will be many tests and trials, but please find strength in him. And in light of what he has done and what he will continue to do, you can move forward in light of his mission. I want to close this with, with this thought. See, Jesus says to pray, lead us not in temptation. But it's interesting. He doesn't say, I pray that there will be no temptation. See, the reality is this. Everyone goes through a trial. 
everyone will go through a test. Everyone will go through a temptation. There's not a single person in this room, believer or skeptic, that does not go through uh, some type of agonizing trial. I, I know we often forget that when we live a social media life filled with filters and cropped photos. But you go beyond that, and the reality is that you and I are no different in light of trial and struggle. But here's the thing. What I've realized for the believer is that the biggest failures and the biggest disappointments they're actually experienced far more painfully because we often forget. We get bought into the lie. We get bought into the deception that there is some, uh, for whatever reason, some type of entitled happiness. And I'm not necessarily sure where that came from. But when I realized that when we kind of forget um, that there are tests and trials to come, and when that surprise hits us, we fall into more of a deeper level of despair and failure and disappointments. And what I'm trying to say is this. Pray this prayer. See, if you are a, a believer in this room, to combat this forgetfulness is to continue to pray this petition. Pray this petition to remind yourself to, to be ready that there is going to be a trial to come, that there is going to be a temptation to follow. And at the same time, if you're a skeptic in this room and, you know, you're going through a trial right now, my, my hope and prayer is that even in this verse that you kind of find that there is much sense in terms of what trial that you're going through. And more importantly, I hope you understand and believe that even though you feel isolated because, because of a trial, that what Scripture tells us is that you do have a good father through a perfect son that someone is with you in that trial. So my encouragement is simply pray this petition. Pray that God would give you a daily deliverance from your daily trials, and we can find our daily strength in him. Let the heartbeat of this prayer be the radical transformation, not only of why you should pray, but also how to pray. See, what I've come to realize is that life, it's filled with seasons. Some of us are currently going through the longest of winters. Some of us may be experiencing summer joy. But we, what we do know about seasons is they come and they go. But my hope and my prayer is that in light of the seasons that come and go, in light of his mission, you would declare, come what may. For his kingdom come, and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we close out our time in prayer, my, my plea, my encouragement, in your doubts, in your fears, and in your failure, you will come to believe this as true. You will believe that it is for your good. And you will believe that it is for God's glory. Join me in prayer.